Most of the legal basis for Justice Alito's draft opinion and his doctrine stems from a misogynistic so-called scholar from the 17th century who died before a single word of the Constitution was written. Does it suck your brains out of your skull? Does it tear your limbs from your body? Bodies thrown in medical waste bins and in places like Washington, D.C., burned to power the lights of the city's homes and streets. I don't need to cite volumes of medical journals to prove the fact. What is the principal distinction between the human being that is two years old or nine months old or one week old or an hour old than one that is eight inches further up the birth canal in the uterus? Uh, do you believe that a mother should have the right like to drown a child, get rid of the child because of the mental stress and duress and problems that the mother is having. That it's been exposed that they are often even um, burned, incinerated in order to, to power our street lamps. Are pro-life policies racist? Absolutely not. This hearing today, although I wish we weren't having it based upon a leaked memo, uh, is evidence of the process working. If there was ever an opposite of a greatest hits compilation, that was it. What you just heard was some of the questions and comments from the concerned trolls in Congress as abortion providers, advocates, and scholars testified before Congress's House Judiciary Committee at a hearing on the crisis facing this country now and if Roe is overturned. I'm Liz Winstead, and this is Feminist Buzzkills Live. We'll be breaking down that fateful day in this special episode. As always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Moji Alabodayel and Marie Khan. We wanted to bring you a bonus episode this week as the House Judiciary Committee held a four-hour circus, I mean, hearing, to discuss the real ramifications of a world that would be created if the decision in the leaked memo becomes a reality. We watched the whole friggin' thing, and it was a really good glimpse into how this issue is going to be framed going forward in good ways, horrific ways. And really, the thing that we saw most is that we need to be talking to politicians on our side about how they should be talking about abortion. Let's get to it. So what happened was, for six hours, the House called a hearing because rightly so, the Judiciary Committee, which oversees the Supreme Court, wanted to have a conversation about what happens in a post-Roe world and how our advocates, scholars, and providers going to deal with this. So they have hearings, right? They invited really, really incredible people. Uh, they invited Dr. Yashika Robinson from the Alabama Women's Center in Huntsville, Alabama, who is a doctor and owns the clinic with her partner. Amy Arambide from Avow, Texas, our guests next week, by the way. And Dr. Michelle Goodwin, who's a legal scholar. She's a regular guest on this pod and an, a board member of Abortion Access Front. And they were both, they were all three incredible. And then the, the wrong side of the aisle 
invites a woman named Catherine Glenn Foster. We will always- never invite her to this pod, Liz. Never. never, 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 never invited, never invited her to be a board member. She will never party she can't with, us. Sit with us. She, can't she can't sit with doesn't us. doesn't even go here. If like- we're on the Amtrak and she's near us, we are moving. I am walking. I am <laughs> off the train and I am walking. So this person is from an organization called Americans United for Life, which is an anti-abortion lobbying outfit that creates model legislation, creates these kind of bounty hunting laws and helps create these kind of, you know, abortion is uh, homicide laws and drops them into state legislatures and then just does harmful lobbying, harmful talking um, around the country. So she was also there. So the conservatives in a nutshell, you know, you heard some of their wild statements. Um, they also showed this profound disrespect for the abortion experts, grandstanding that the Democrats threw these hearings be- because they wanted to like just ignore the leak because that's the biggest part. Um, and, 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 and that we were encouraging people to go harass the harass the uh, Supreme Court justices, maybe um, protest at because they are literally siding on the side of oppression. Uh, they're saying that we wanted to influence public opinion, blah, and also that people these know protests, how to feel. Yeah, also that these protests are the same as the insurrection. So that was kind of the talking points over and over and over again, along with the just inflammatory fake abortion bullshit. So yeah, that's kind of what you know, was sort of happening in the scope. But I want to know, like, when when we all watched this, we watched it down all million hours of it. Um, Moji and Marie, what were some of the most egregious specifics that you watched Republicans sort of throw out in their time to make their point? I was really, really enraged on how fake clinics, CPCs, we're being touted and pushed as like, well, this is an option for people. And again, these are all white men interrupting, belittling, yelling at women of color, black women, especially that are in these roles who are doctors, who are like, they're here, they know all this information. And you have these fake facts that these lawmakers are throwing out there about fake clinics. And they're not giving a time for any of them to respond and set the record straight. We're, yeah, not allowed I, to be, we're not allowed to be on the record. They are not allowing these folks to be on the record with the actually experts in this. Well, also, Marie, like and it, and it went by quickly. But those of us who are yeah. in in the movement heard when Chip Roy reminded everyone that a hundred million dollars when he said, you know, the state of Texas has given a hundred million dollars to help women. What he was saying is a hundred million dollars to these fake ass clinics that do nothing but talk people out of abortion and give people a couple of diapers. We're going to talk about them in the show oh, and later and let them know too. She like, was like, you're talking about fake clinics and that's, he just brushed her off. He was like, I didn't ask for you to comment on this, but you know, it's like, so they say things and then they don't give people an opportunity to, um, to fight back. And I think if the people of Texas knew that not only are they cutting abortion access, they're taking funding that would have gone to Medicaid expansion, that would have gone to uh, prenatal care, that would have gone to TANF and and that kind of thing, and putting it into anti-abortion counseling centers that only counsel you to talk you out of abortion with shame and stigma. It's a mess. Moji, what were you? What was your like big like? Oh my God, how bad can they get? I mean, there was 
it, it truly the hits kept coming, but I did like towards the middle when um a black conservative man had to rant about Margaret Sanger. I thought mm-hmm. that, that was choice. I thought that was choice. Also, Margaret Sanger was not a part of this conversation. We're talking about abortion in America right now. She also, find a white lady at the turn of the century that wasn't a racist. So you're not winning, really. I feel like you're just like, if you have to go <laughs> that far facts. back, he, he, this guy, you don't, go, you yeah. don't have to, you don't. <laughs> the people in that, some people in that hearing were really yes! comfortable telling, yes! talking about racism. Oh, white they sure were. <laughs> I also love to like, we could go back to like, five minutes ago and find someone in your party who said yeah. something more horrible than Margaret Sanger ever said. So it's, it's a little odd. I found it so fascinating. Like, you know, I mean, the big hits of the clip that we opened the show with earlier with the uh, Louis Gohmert, you know, just saying things like, well, do you believe that a mother should be able to drown her two-year-old, you know, and what are you going to do about an abortion that's halfway out and you decide, you know, you're just like, what are you even saying, right? But when this, one of these guys, I think the same guy that was talking about, um, you know, what if somebody's in the middle of having a baby and then they decide to have an abortion and, and you're just like, what if that never happened? That's uh, never, that's not a thing. So he kept citing, like, he was like, there's a ni- 1859 uh, AMA study and, and then there's an 18th century jurist that said this and like, abortion's not in the constitution and it's like i felt like we were in some kind of fucked up time machine and we ended up back at the stockades you know it's like i'm now gonna yield my time to cotton mather it's like what is happening else is not in the uh, constitution cell phones and yet we regulate them (laughs) i mean we'll get to that in a minute because like there was some good knowledge dropping there but i wanted to talk a little bit about the, the panel makeup that came to speak before uh, Congress was was these three incredible advocates, scholar. It was an advocate, a scholar and a doctor provider. And then the right wing brought this horrible woman uh, who's this Catherine Glenn Foster, who proceeds to say that she had an abortion and then fell on her shame sword about her abortion. But then like got to go to law school because of her abortion. And like now, now no one gets abortions. Yes. Like this is a pattern with these people. Yes. They like to hoard all the abortions, uh, yeah. put them in their past tense, and then re- yeah, keep anyone else from ever having one in the future. Remember when we were at the Supreme Court and that woman said she'd had 18 abortions and she yes. was fighting against abortion. And it was like, so you just eat up all the abortions and then nobody has any left. Yeah, I was unclear that there was any abortions. And I mean, like, have a, if you have 18 abortions, good for you. Like, good you're just you. using it and that's your abortions and you're doing that. But um, then to have such rage against um, you doing a thing, you know, it's kind of like crying if you're eating a bag of Fritos and you can't stop. And it's like, <laughs> I hate Fritos. <laughs> Fuck you, Fritos. <laughs> it's like, wait, you need some intervention here. It's well, kind of a mess. Catherine Glenn Foster gave us one of the choice statements of uh, this hearing, where she let us know that uh, the the uh, D.C. is powered by uh, fetus. The lights in D.C. are powered by mm. fetuses, I believe. That yeah. one on the congressional record. Yeah. And I think that while America is run on Duncan, 
<laughs> DC is run on fetuses, which That's is why maybe why it's not. <laughs> same joke. We have the same joke. Liz. Thank you very much, Margie. I love it. But like, she not only said it once, she said it twice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was like, and she it's felt not it profoundly, the, but it's not the first time we've heard that. Uh, you know, those people that stole the fetuses um, from from the off the off the truck in dc mm-hmm. uh when they held their press conference some woman said that baltimore is also <laughs> being run on fetuses so uh basically if you live on the acela uh train track uh <laughs> everything is being motorized by fetuses so just know that and also i don't hate that like if people are having <laughs> abortions and you can use medical waste to fuel the economy and it's clean. Yeah. I don't care. Like, tr- are you trying to shock me? Also like, though, that's not a thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, but it's I'm just saying that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. I, I agree with you, Liz, but also it's just wild. Like the, like, it's like, okay, that is a really ridiculous, egregious lie that you could easily fact check. Uh-huh. And then they just repeated stuff like that. Like, but also it just lies that you could fact check. And also, if you know, to they forced clinics to do cremation and burial of products of conception instead of allowing them to donate it to research to end horrific diseases. So let's be clear on who's who are the ghouls. That would be them. Yeah, she was a mess. And she also, you know, and and she was also spewing about her own abortion regret and how every day of her life she she hates it and that it's and that it's like abominable and it's barbaric and it's all this stuff. And like um, and there was some of the Democratic moments of people who were standing up for abortion, I thought were really interesting. And and one of the things that I, I stood up for me is representative. Joe Neguse, if you don't know him, he's from Boulder. He was, I sort of really um, watched him when that grocery store um, uh, attack happened um, with the gunman at the grocery store in Colorado. And he was just very profound. And what he said was, I listened to all of your abortion stories and I honor all of them. And he said, but the one thing that I find interesting is when I listen to the people who've had abortions who are working in abortion advocacy, they, they aren't trying to impose what their experiences were onto other people. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why somebody who feels entitled to e- impose their experience onto someone else and make that a law. And I just thought it was a really smart take that I think we talk and say those things amongst ourselves working in the movement but it was really nice to hear it from somebody who just made that observation based on what these people were saying, uh-huh. you know, and I thought some, there was some Dems that did some really, you know, had some really interesting points. Marie Moji, what, what were some of your takeaways of the electeds on our side and what they, what they did? I and- don't remember her name, but a Congresswoman talked about um, having multiple miscarriages. Oh yeah. That was Lucy mm-hmm. McBath. Yeah. And, um, and, and being unable to, and I think being refused care for two weeks while kind of waiting for a miscarriage to 
complete mm-hmm. um, with with no fetal viability. Uh, and so, you know, in, in Poland, just a few months ago, a woman died because Poland's restrictive abortion laws um, that didn't allow her to have the miscarriage management that she needed. Yeah. She died of sepsis. Yep. And it's, you know, what part of the things that we need, we will be uh, living with in the post-war world is seeing the way that people having miscarriage management are um, mismanaged. Yeah. And being denied and, and, and harmed. And we're going to be talking about that next week. Um, Dr. Leah Torres, who is an abortion provider and is, is doing miscarriage management, is gonna, wrote a big article this week about um, it's already happening here in the yep. States. And we're going to have her on next week to talk about that. So I'm really excited about that. Marie, was there I- anything... Oh, the obsession that everyone had with Matthew Hale. Like this, I think Moji, you raised the point that this gentleman who's around in the 1600s, like predated a lot of shit, including our amendments and- No, the constitution Constitution, yeah. And how he's like, he's a big fan of um, marital rape, being pro-marital rape. He's that that side of the marital rape coin that I guess I didn't know existed or still exists, but it does apparently because it's all all up for debate. So really seeing where people were going with him and upholding him when you then had people challenging him as a scholar that, that should be even followed and looked at. Like this is- why him? Why him Why as him? the... Well, I think what was fascinating is, so this guy, Matthew Hale from the 1600s, first of all, not American, British. He was cited 98 times in Alito's opinion. And he is somebody who is the leading scholar when it comes to defending marital rape. So it's not just like he had a wacky <laughs> idea. He's yep. like the go-to for the marital rape crowd. <laughs> and also- he got, he, got, he got good at that. <laughs> he got good at that. He's also like the burning of the witch. He was like, yeah, burn some witches. He was like the Jordan Peterson of his day. <laughs> That's how I look at him. It's like, and he is like just a mess. And so, you know, to bring that out and to and to have- that and I and I loved opening with Hakeem Jeffries laying out who he was at the beginning of all of those sound bites in the show, just to like center that this document is rooted in the teachings and practices of Matthew Hale. Uh, and so it, it's like it's so wild. And the, and I feel like our advocates held up so well. They in the face of being called every name in the book, a so-called doctor and, you know, just like shaming everyone. Um, Which felt really racist because it was mostly women of color, black women, and just the way that, that the, that their, their titles were being, (laughs) you know, just ignored or yelled at or talked over or really. Yeah. It was like, it was like polite words, terrible tone. There was a lot of that. It was just fully disrespectful and rude. And and I was proud of them because they refused to indulge the garbage. And they of course thought it was the other side, of course, thought it was a gotcha moment. But you know, when Dr. Robinson said, excuse me, I'm Dr. Robinson and I'm (laughs) proud of what I do. And you can say anything you want about, you know, bastardize it, twist it around but I'm proud of what I do. And it was so, I was just so um, proud of her, but you know, Dr. Goodwin is such a genius. She is a legal scholar. 
She is a professor at UC Irvine. She's on the board of the ACLU. She's on our board. And when they were just trying to say all their gobbledygook, you know, Dr. Goodwin just laid out why this whole abortion's not in the 14th Amendment, therefore it's not a guaranteed constitutional right. She laid it out so brilliantly. Just take a listen to how she just put it out there. So as we look at other amendments, too, from a Second Amendment perspective, there is certain artillery that we have today that was not anticipated at the time of the Second Amendment uh, drafting. And to the point that you made, uh, when the First Amendment was drafted as well, there were certain articulations that we appreciate today uh, that were not explicitly delineated within the context of the Constitution. But it is also worth noting what the Constitution says. The Constitution says that People who are people in the United States are people that are born. It makes no mention of embryos or fetuses. And it is also worth noting what the 13th Amendment says and the 14th Amendment. If we appreciate that uh, members of Congress were freeing not only Black men, but also Black women, it said that there shall be no involuntary servitude. And it explicitly also mentions that Black people shall have, and this includes women, liberty and freedom. And this is incredibly Thank important you. when one looks at Thank what you, those histories were. Thank you, Savannah. Ms. Aramby, you live- Incredible, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, right. You know, nobody could- Nobody could predict these weapons of war. You know, it's why we have the Ninth Amendment, because the Ninth Amendment says, hey, we're probably going to forget some shit and there's going to be shit we never even knew to think of. So that's covered in the Ninth Mm -hmm. (laughs) Amendment. Um, And so, you know, it really does matter. And so I just thought that they all had like such great things to say. And um, I really just I love them. I feel like yeah. I was very proud of them for coming up and and doing a thing. And I think what I want is we're going to put the links to all of their social handles in uh, in our show notes. And if you would pop them a note on Twitter at them and say thank you for bringing yourselves to that panel and for talking about abortion and for and for providing and defending. And um, I think they really yes. need some love. I think they were getting yeah. a lot of shit. Um, is there anything you guys wish you would have heard at the hearing? You know, it was six and a half hours and there were some things that I had thoughts about, but I'm just wondering what you guys thought. I, well, we talked a little bit about Liz, how like they wouldn't allow people to have a cogent conversation. They didn't get to actually put anything, which I feel like you were not allowing people to put things on the record. You're presenting folks with these ridiculous situations like a baby that's like mid-birth that you're suddenly going to abort, you know, and but it's a leap year. So you got to think about the weather pattern. Like they're throwing these left field questions at these doctors and then not allowing them to actually respond and give full, full spectrum answers. So I'm worrying about that. This, this inability, like ask people need to actually be assessed real questions and be allowed to answer. I know these hearings, I feel like are designed, no matter if it's this hearing or whatever, there's all this weird grandstanding. It's like, what would you say mm-hmm. if a fetus could turn your uterus into a CrossFit? Would you abort it then? It's like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I also, yeah, I think, and, and maybe this is part of uh, Democrats being a little too respectful, but I do think that there was a lot of not challenging crazy things. Like um, when this woman, what's her name again? Uh, Catherine Glenn Foster said what she said about the lights. Yeah. No one right. really said oh, 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 what? 
Exactly. It was outrageous. And the and and the other when you are there to speak before Congress, you're not allowed to um, to like engage Uh, or engage with somebody. You know, you have to talk directly to the uh, and answer questions that you are asked. You can't like go shut up. That's not true. Like Mm -hmm. you can't do that. Um, But that's why you have to ask permission. Like, may I address what someone said? previously before I answer your question. And so if you notice that happened a couple of times with our side to try to clear up the record, but for me, it was, it's just another exercise in watching how um, much stigma there is around abortion, even with our allies who are elected officials and yeah. it's used against us. The amount of times that people said baby and mother when talking about pregnancy um, and even that, the Catherine, what's her name? Zeta Jones. Yeah. Catherine <laughs> Jones. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, she was like, see, even, even your side says baby, you know, she right. even held up Biden, not saying the word abortion as a way to say this movement is, sh- is, sh- it has shame because they can't say abortion because they think it's ter- terrible. And, um, I think that's really a a problem. And I think that we need to lobby our legislators more and talk to them about abortion and talk to them about how to talk about abortion in a way that's obviously not done enough because it's really a mess. And like holding these people accountable, I found it fascinating that uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't commit the right to a federal ban on abortion because they know it is like. everyone in America thinks that's a bridge too far and they wouldn't commit to it, but they, each of them were like abortions, murder, you're murdering babies. So why is it that we don't challenge them and say, you believe abortion is murder. You believe abortion should go and be a state by state decision. Do other kinds of murders then get to be a state by state decision? Because murder is murder, just like rape is rape. And if you are out here in these streets screaming abortions, murder, then by default, you want a federal ban on abortion. Yeah, because you can't go. I'm going to go to California and start doing some murdering. You know, I think we need to hold them accountable to that. And so. I, I, I don't know what was accomplished actually from these hearings because a, they were barely reported on after the fact. Um, I think we were the only people watching them. Yeah. I went out and I was talking about them with people who, you know, seem really smart and cool. And they were, and I, they were like, there were what hearings? Yeah, <laughs> I know. What? And like, and, and people forget, like when you have hearings, you are putting things in the congressional record. And so if people aren't watching and our side doesn't know what to put in the congressional record and what we're doing, <clears throat> there could be an incomplete record when our elected officials are talking about abortion, especially the House Judiciary Committee that over has oversight over Supreme Court, you know? So um, it was a really interesting thing and I'm glad that we watched it. And I, I feel like it was important to talk about like the framing, what we're hearing and how activists are treated by our elected officials. We need to do better. Feminist Buzzkills Live, the podcast from Abortion Access Front. When BS is popping, we pop off. 
New episodes drop Friday. Listen, subscribe, give us five stars, and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills.